the Bible, and the conversations that tend to arise between them all. Life is not simple, art is not boring, and the Bible is not just a dusty old book. At least, that's what Charles and I believe. In other words, there's a lot going on here, so join us on the Believing Art Podcast as we attempt to discuss it all and everything that lies in between. Yeah, so, okay, so Charles, I was thinking about this this week. Um, been getting a little bit of feedback from the podcast, and um, I, it's interesting. There are some people who are, are really, like, digging it, and, and I can tell that they're excited about it, but I also wonder if there are people out there who might be hearing us discuss these f- real fancy pieces of art. And, and just a question came to my mind, like, is, is art too snobby for some people? Or is it too highbrow to be accessible by everyone? I, was, I thought that'd be interesting to... Well, art is... You can cut this out. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right. Um, art can seem that way to people who have not been exposed to it. Right. And people who don't know how to look at a painting or listen to a piece of music... You know, it's a lot like opera. You know, people mm-hmm. think that, you know, opera is is really highbrow and, and you know, why bother with that? But if one understands what the opera is about, one can understand the story, and one learns how to listen to mm-hmm. opera, then it can be really enjoyable. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. It's not going to be everybody's favorite. Um but art is something that the more the more we know about it, the more we can learn to appreciate it, and the more it can mean to us. Yeah, it, and I think we've talked a little bit about this. It's it's almost as if, um, just like any other area of life, it takes work. It does to understand and to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess for some reason, though, people tend to write art, write art off or artistic things off earlier than most. You know, with excuses like, mm-hmm. "Well, it's just too." just too highbrow for me or I just don't get it. And it, right. And some, some, I mean, some of that is because they don't want to get it. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, they're not interested in it. Um, it would be like, you know, people sitting down in front of a, you know, in front of televised sports and just saying, why should I care about somebody kicking a ball down a, a field? I mean, that does nothing well, you, for me. Well, you should, because that's soccer and that's the beautiful game. But that's it. Well, but I'm that's... saying it's the same thing. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. It, a lot of it depends that's on exactly what people that. like and what they're drawn to mm. as to how much time and energy they're going to spend. Um. You know, it so it it, de- it depends on what a person's willing to give to it, mm, or a reason that someone is given to care about it, right? Okay. And by that I mean is that if, uh, and part of the reason you know I think why we're doing this podcast is to is to demonstrate that art can be very, very valuable in helping us to think through yeah. some things in life. That it, it prompts us to think and to ask questions, not just about the painting itself, but what it means to us as we as we live. Because yeah. art is a reflection of life. Mm, that's really good. 
Yeah, that's that was something that popped into my mind mm-hmm. when I was thinking about this, is that art is a reflection of life. And so uh, I guess to some degree, those who may respond with, well, I just don't get it, or it's too highbrow, mm-hmm. or you know, all, the, all that good stuff. It's like, well, but, but art is life. It and, is life. And life is everywhere. So, I mean, it's just another avenue through which you can engage That's right. the process of understanding life. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth it. You know, it's, it's definitely worth and, it. And serious music, serious art, even dance, yeah. um, is meant to engage a person, right? Mm. It's, it's mm-hmm. not amusement, Right. Right. It it does demand that that a person pay attention and and think. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That 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 makes me think of uh, kind of like Jesus's parables to some degree. You know. No, that's in, right. And in, in right. that he you know he says these things to him who has ears, let him hear. Um, and it it's almost as if there's a, a a sort of barrier. There's there's almost as if there's a barrier that has to be overcome in order to engage art. But that barrier is is sort of like acting to draw people in. The the people who want to engage and cross that barrier are going to be drawn in by that, and they're going to want to engage in art. So I guess it keeps people out who don't really care, but it also draws people in who do who do care. Yeah, and there's and art is seasonal too. Mm. I mean, sometimes there's. It's not something that someone wants to give a lot of attention to, but in a different season in life, maybe they've lived long enough or have had different experiences that all of a sudden now it becomes important. Yeah. Yeah. That happens with lots of different things. Yeah. The, the filling out experiences or, or, or finding that, uh, experiencing life gives you language and tools to revisit a piece of art that, that you previously thought, well, I just don't get it or I I don't understand. Well, and, and I think just the human condition itself, we are all prone to want to reduce the world and everything we see to something that we can understand. Uh, yeah. And the reality is there's a lot of life that we can't understand. There's a lot that we haven't yet understood Uh and there's things out there yet to be explored. Mm. So there's a whole big world out there that is be, that is beyond where we are at the moment, mm. and I would argue that uh, art, in its you know serious art, um, is meant to help us understand what is beyond ourselves. Mm. Well, Certainly I, understand ourselves, but even expose us to what's beyond. Yeah, and that can be hard, and that can be, be very difficult. Hard. Which which I guess makes sense for some people who mm-hmm. who maybe approach that notion and then are just not ready for it or don't want to engage Mm -hmm. it or don't have time. Don't have time. Yeah. So yeah, that's really good. I guess, um, should still, yeah. yeah. And if nothing else, if nothing else, um, art can be enjoyed at many different levels. Mm. You know, a, a painting can be enjoyed simply because of, the way it strikes the reader on the surface, mm-hmm. the colors, the subject matter, whether it's beautiful or not, you know, and then another layer is the meaning or what mm. is meant by it. And, or another yet is the theology or the philosophy behind it. Mm. So there, there's all these different layers to things that people yeah. can enjoy and people shouldn't feel bad. Yes. If they don't yeah. get it all at once. That's okay. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I don't get mm. at all. 
you know, or even if I do get it, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the art is not really there. It doesn't really ask you to like it. Mm. It asks you to think about it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And I think that's important for maybe those people who do say, I just, I just don't get it or it's too highbrow. It's like, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. There's some really interesting stuff that we could talk about and discuss, but that's okay that, you know. Um, yeah, I really like that. I think that's, I, I was just wondering about that. Question. Sure, yeah. I feel, I feel it's pertinent, you know, it is. to the believing heart podcast to discuss these things. So, um, we're going to transition now to the painting. This episode's painting, uh, another Caravaggio, which we, as usual, are extremely excited about. This one is the sacrifice of Isaac, which is just stunning. Um, you should be able to see it on your podcast player now. If you don't already, um, Charles, where do you want to jump in on this painting? I mean, I, I think there's several, <laughs> there's a lot of different uh, ways that we could, um, jump in, but what, what are you thinking? Well, this is certainly a painting that makes us think about Isaac, um, mm-hmm. makes us think about Abraham as the father, but I mean, the sheer terror in Isaac's face is something that we, really need to think about because it is not something that we normally take time to think about. And certainly in a lot of religious traditions, we're never, we're hardly even encouraged to think about it Mm -hmm. at all. So the Caravaggio painting um, really draws our attention to what was Isaac experiencing during this ordeal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty horrific actually. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and this this I mean, as far as like connecting to the biblical story, it's very it's very clear which story it connects to. Genesis uh, chapter twenty two, twenty two, mm-hmm. uh, story of uh, Abraham um, almost sacrificing his son. Um, yeah, the 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 look on Isaac's face is really hard. Like it's actually it's hard to look at, but it's the the painting draws the way that the colors in the painting. They, they accentuate the terror in Isaac's face. You can't, you can't miss it. You can't take your eyes away from it, even though you mm-hmm. want to. I mean, it's just this really horrific look of terror that I, I think you're absolutely right that this, the story, at least the story in the Bible, does not emphasize, I mean, we don't hear very much at all about Isaac. What about Isaac? No, you what know? about Isaac? Yeah. Well, the story is told in the tradition of the story is one about Abraham having great faith. Mm-hmm. He has great faith, so much faith, in fact, that when God tells him to sacrifice his, his son, Isaac, the son of promise, with all that is at stake in that, uh, Abraham goes about to be obedient. And then, of course, Isaac is spared at the last minute. Yeah. And so this is a in the best case scenario, or in the most common case scenario, it's a story about faith, but then the question is faith at what cost? Mm. Right? And so, yes, Abraham, on the surface, is, is portrayed as being faithful in that he goes about to do this sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, of course, stopped at the end, and Isaac is spared at the end, but there is a cost to that experience. There's a a cost uh, to Abraham, but there's almost certainly, and the Caravaggio makes us think about this, there is a cost 
to Isaac, mm-hmm. right? Um, a little noticed detail in the story is that at the beginning, Abraham goes up the mountain with his two servants and with Isaac, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the story, Abraham comes down with his servants, but there is a notable absence of Isaac being mentioned as coming down the mountain with his father. Right. Um, Sarah dies immediately after the story. Whoa. And so there's this question about where is Isaac and Mm -hmm. why is he conspicuous by his absence? Mm. Where was Sarah in all of this? Was she even told? Did she even know? Or right. Is her death in any way connected with with this story? I mean, yeah. th- there's all kinds of family issues that sort of lay in the background, but with a careful reading and a reading uh, that's sensitive to a traumatic event, which this would be, <laughs> Um, even if it's a story about great faith, it's yeah. also a story about trauma. Absolutely, and and you can't miss you that can't miss it in this painting. I mean, this you painting miss uh, it. that you can't miss that. Mm-hmm. Well, and even the reader, if you stop to think about, so what would you do if your father held a knife over you? Mm-hmm. And we miss that sometimes because we think, well, this story is in the Bible; it must be about faith, and so all these other things don't matter. Yeah. Well, they do matter. <laughs> Because in the hands of the wrong person, this story has become very dangerous. Right. right? Well, and you've done some research. Didn't you write a paper on on exploring some of the modern, almost, yeah, the modern day stories of people who have heard from God or have heard this this, a sermon preached on this subject matter and and their, their conclusion is... That they're supposed to go out and kill their kids, and they have, or they've they've tried. Yes, and in some cases have done that. And um, if anyone's interested in reading it, there's a book you can find it on on Amazon. It's called Abraham on Trial. Yeah, which is the story of uh, someone who heard a sermon preached about faith from Genesis 22 about this God calling Abraham sacrifice Isaac and the person concluded that they were supposed to go out and do likewise to demonstrate their faith because we're supposed to have a faith like Abraham. And of course the person was arrested and, um, you know, Genesis 22 is not a defense against murdering a child in the modern courts. (laughs) It doesn't hold up. And and we think, well, that's crazy, but is it, you know, if if we're holding this up as an example of faith, then we have to be very, very careful about that. Mm-hmm. And so anyway. Um, yeah, I was going to say, um, I think a lot of people read this story and marvel at Abraham's faith, you know, saying things like, wow, you know, what faith he had. I, would, I could never do that. And they mistake that sort of notion of, um, like, I, of this notion of, I can't do that, therefore Abraham must have had so much more faith to be able to do that. They mistake that notion with just the truth that what Abraham did was crazy. I mean, it, it, it was crazy to some degree. Um, you know, sacrificing your child is not something that normal people do. Well, and everywhere else in the Bible, child, child sacrifice is condemned. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's something pagan gods ask their subjects to do. Right. Which brings up an uh, interesting point um, in this whole story is why would God ask Abraham to do this in the first place? You know, if, if this God is supposed to be um, so separate and distinct from all these other pagan gods, why is he acting like one? Why is he suddenly mm-hmm. asking Abraham to sacrifice his own son like all these other pagan gods? Well, and how would, how would Abraham... The thing about Abraham that's so interesting is that in, and this is according to not to one of many um, Hebrew traditions about Abraham, is that uh, there's some Jewish readers and rabbi scholars, interpreters that uh, have pointed out that at the start of Abraham's story, he's given uh, 10 trials. Mm. Uh, related to members of his own family. Mm, okay. And that yeah. he uh, essentially fails every one of them. And uh, in terms of standing up for them, right? And so yeah. you might remember him, you know, lying about Sarah mm-hmm. um, down in, you know, and you might remember that uh, he doesn't stand up for Hagar after she mm-hmm. conceives. You know, she sent out into the wilderness twice. Um, Ishmael, his firstborn, is also sent out into the wilderness and left, you know, to die. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't stand up for either of them. Um, when the second time, when he's sent away, um, he de- when Hagar is sent away with Isaac in Genesis 21, it says that Abraham grieves over the boy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't stop them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all throughout, um, he even argues, you know, the Lord even says, you know, do whatever Sarah tells you to do. Mm. Um, but he doesn't, there's no argument. Well, you, yes, okay, but he argues over Lot. That's right. So we know Abraham is capable of bargaining with God over, over someone who's important to him. We've watched him do it. Right. Over Lot in Genesis 18. So the, the, a big question is, so why why doesn't yeah. Abraham mount more of an argument for his only for son. his well, or even yeah. for Ishmael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, for any of for, these for any characters or Hagar. I mean, yeah. the one, the mother of his firstborn, mm-hmm. which is not insignificant. Mm-hmm. So. Some have read this story that the the test of Abraham was would he finally stand up and say no? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this. Right, and of course that's completely reading against tradition. It's reading against the grain. It's reading against what everybody's ever thought about this story. But yeah. yet there is there is a reason to look at that side of. The tradition, mm-hmm. which isn't really known by very many people, but there's a, just when we consider what Isaac was put through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else? Well, the other thing about Isaac is, in some way, he's the weakest of the patriarchs. Okay. Right. I Exodus. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yep. Right. Well, well, Abraham 
you know, has a has a fairly big name. You know, Jacob, of course. Um, you know, the story of Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 all of that long saga. But you know, Isaac. Um, we don't really know that much about Isaac. I mean, the biggest story we get about Isaac is the story of how his own wife plotted to deceive him, right, with the two sons. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, Isaac is in many ways plagued throughout his life with not only deception by his own family, (laughs) but attempted murder by his own father. Right. Right? So this is... I think Isaac doesn't, as a per, as a patriarch, doesn't really get very much attention. Hmm. We're focused on Abraham. We're focused on Jacob. But Isaac, we don't what really about, think very much. What about Isaac? You know, right? whose name means laughter, actually. Yeah, I keep coming back to that question. What about what Isaac? about Isaac? Yeah, yeah. There's a. <clears throat> I, I want to mention this at some point. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, who's a famous mm. philosopher, he, he wrote this book called Fear and Trembling, and it it's, explores specifically this story and the notion of faith and what it means to have faith. And what he does, which I think is really helpful, um, maybe for some of our listeners, and I know certainly for me, and really anyone who wants to sort of explore this story or, or maybe the different ways that Abraham could have reacted in this story, mm-hmm. uh, Kierkegaard actually sort of fictionalizes four different possibilities or four different responses that Abraham could have had to God's uh, command to sacrifice his son. Um, and one of them, he, he has Abraham uh, get to the top of the mountain and Abraham not wanting his son to lose faith in the God that he believes in, Abraham believes in, he, Abraham almost denounces his own faith in order to protect Isaac's faith. He, he says something like, Isaac, you think I believe in this God. I don't believe in this God. I'm just, you know, I'm going to sacrifice you like all these other pagan gods. And he does that in an attempt to protect Isaac's own faith in the God that he believes. So that's, you know, Kierkegaard explores several different possibilities. There's one where Abraham doesn't take Isaac with him. He goes up alone and he he asks God to forgive him for not, you know, having faith. Mm -hmm. And so there's, it's, it's a really helpful way to sort of begin to explore maybe the, the troubles, the, the issues with this story um, that, that we're, we're seeing this painting sort of bring out. Uh, right. That's good. So um, I'll, we'll make sure to link uh, that book and then also um, the, the one that you mentioned earlier, Abraham on Trump. We'll make sure that those, those are, mm-hmm. uh, you, you have access to those. So, And I think for a lot of people... There, there's a phrase that I'm trying to think of, and it has to do the lullaby effect, right? Are you familiar with the lullaby effect or have heard of it? Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, so the lullaby effect is you hear the same story or you hear the same thing presented the same way over and over and over and over again that you just sort of become numb to the message or, or numb to things about the story that if you went back and read it for the first time would just be glaring issues. And I think this story in particular has been uh, subject to the lullaby effect within Christian circles for for a long time. Um, you know, the, the message is clear, as we've mm-hmm. been mentioning. Abraham, what a great man of faith. 
And that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of the storyline, the, the, the headline that you get mm-hmm. from. Well, and the New Testament reemphasizes that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so there's this, just this massive lullaby effect. And, and what I love particularly about this painting is that it just sort of like puts a bomb to that. Right. <laughs> uh, you, you can't, I mean, you cannot, it is so difficult to have that sort of uh, same reading that you've always done when you look at Isaac's face, when you see his face and the mm-hmm. agony of it. Um, as we mentioned before, you suddenly become responsible for Isaac and the pain that he experienced. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with that. I mean, you have to account for him in some way. Um, so I, I definitely love that this painting does that. Um, yeah. Well, and I think it also raises the question, kind of going back a little bit earlier in our discussion about faith at what cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even if you take the, a person takes the position that, um, as I think the New Testament does, you know, Abraham hoped against hope, mm-hmm. you know, that Abraham somehow had the faith that even if he did have to kill his son, that he, that God could even resurrect Isaac from the dead. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I think if you go there, right, which is where, um, I think where Paul would go in the New Testament would go with that. You still have to think about, even in that scenario, <laughs> what it would have done to Isaac, yes. even with this motive of faith, mm-hmm. even in the in the purest sense, you know, to be to have your father be the one to hold the knife over you, mm-hmm. you know, for a for a human being. Now we're not talking about. You know, we're not talking about Jesus on the cross here, right. even though this is often used as that's right as foreshadowing that none of the people in this story have any are divine in any way. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're talking about raw human beings, mm-hmm. and so I think the the trouble in this story, the, the if I could even say the danger in this story, is how we talk about faith and trauma in same sentence. Mm. How do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do, how do we take into account? Um, and, you know, kind of bringing it down to brass. I mean, bring it down to today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah, I think let's not talk about mountains count. and knives. Let's talk about, <laughs> you know, um, you know, as someone who's been in ministry for a long time, Right before being in academics, I was mm-hmm. you know I was in ministry for a long time. Um, you know my my kids in many ways didn't uh, didn't have a choice mm. about whether I went into ministry or not. Yeah. Um, you know my wife and I went into to, to ministry, and our children were young. They didn't have the ability to really have an opinion. But we're taking them into a, a situation that it's very difficult for children to grow up in ministry context because of all the things that they see and all the things that they're exposed to and all the ways that their parents can be treated wonderfully as well as horribly. Mm. Right. And so um, we might have had faith 
to do this work. But does that mean that they had the faith to endure whatever hardships it would bring them, which it did yeah, and inevitably does. Yes. Right. So how, you know, this is a situation where we're, we're talking about Abraham's faith, but given the age of Isaac, mm-hmm. how much could he have even known or what kind of faith could he even have right. had? Um, people assume to get through this story that he must have had this prodigious amount of faith, mm-hmm. but the text never says that. Mm-hmm. Right. The other thing has to do with missions, right? When you decide to uproot your children, which a lot of people have done, because they have the faith that they're supposed to do this mission for God. Well, what happens when it winds up being terribly traumatic for their kids? Mm. Or what happens when their kids are put through things or exposed to things that they're, the parents may be ready for it, right. but the kids aren't ready for it. So, you know, there's this. There's a point at which people can say, well, God will take care of of the kids as if, I mean, it's true that you could say it's true that, that we can have faith that he will, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you, that the parent doesn't have responsibility for what they put the child through. Mm-hmm. There are two things happening. Yes. And you can't ignore either one of them. Yes. And so this kind of a story, I think, makes us makes us think about that. Yeah. And we have to be so careful not to spiritualize it too fast. Okay. Yeah. Saying, well, it's, you know, it's speaking about, you know, the father sacrificing the son on the cross. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Maybe in a very detached literary sense. Yeah. That's what's, you know, that that's kind of the way it's, it's working canonically. Um, but in but you know as a hebrew story in the torah in a jewish text the way it's used in its original context didn't did not have that in mind that's exactly right yep well it, not self-consciously anyway <laughs> right yeah yeah i really like that application to today um I, I i would be interested to um, I'd be interested to hear uh, some of our listeners' thoughts on like applications to today. I think those those two, you know, going into ministry mm-hmm. or going into missions are are really spot on as far as like the the cost associated mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. you know the the parent figure uh, signing up for that cost, um, but then the, the sort of the child figure not really mm-hmm. having a say or being able to assess. Mm-hmm any sort of cost associated with mm-hmm. that. Um, well, and that, and that, of course, you know, it's not just ministry. I mean, it, it, it can be in secular work as well. People yeah. make choices for their kids all the time. Mm. So, you know, that same, that same responsibility is still there. But, yeah. you know, particularly when you're dealing with, with matters of faith, sometimes the stakes are higher. Yeah. And... You know, we've, it's almost, at least when I was growing up, it was kind of a, almost a joke uh, or that, well, you know, so-and-so's acting up as an adult or they had trouble as a teenager or they were rebellious because they were a preacher's kid. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm, I'm familiar well, with that. you know, that joke. Well, but the thing is, does the parent, who, who bears responsibility for that? Mm. You know, it may, it may be that, that 
the child simply was not able to process all of the things that happened to them because of mm. that. I've seen it over and over and over again of kids who who want nothing more who want nothing at all to do with faith once they become of age mm. because of what happened to their parents when their parents retreated, the things their parents went through, that they had no ability to process, and it lasted their entire life. Wow. I mean, there's huge cost. Yes, yeah. To this. Yeah, and and that's something we've talked about before is, is I guess, like with the um, theme of the Tower of Babel, um, that, that notion of are we seeing the cost? Are we willing to read this story and, and um, deal with the costs that are being leveled mm-hmm. against? Isaac, who doesn't really have a say in the matter. I think that's a nuance in this story that um, is, it can be difficult to, to consider. Uh, I think, let's, let's end here. Um, what, what questions, are there any sort of questions or final thoughts that y- you have uh, of this painting or of the text that, that maybe you're wrestling with or want to leave the listener with? Well, I would invite the listener if this is if this painting has sparked <laughs> interest or questions yeah. about Isaac, to actually spend some time looking up other artistic portrayals of Isaac. Okay, this isn't the only one, right? Yeah, um, but how do how how do other paintings treat this story, or how do other artists treat this mm-hmm. story? Mm-hmm. I think it'd be something that. Uh, if I were hearing all of this for the first time, yeah. that was that's something that I might want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing would be to sort of ask ourselves, as people of faith, mm-hmm. um, how how does how do the consequences of my faith impact other people, mm-hmm. both that's for really, good, really good and for perhaps not good. <laughs> Right, you know how how are other people affected by 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 my faith? Because um, we're not in this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I, so I I look, we looked at this painting to to touch some personal history with this. Uh, we looked at this painting in Vienna, mm-hmm. uh, and we actually uh, wrote an essay about it. And the the premise of the essay was to um, write the story from Isaac's perspective or to to consider what Isaac was going through on the march up the mm-hmm. mountain to sort of bear witness to his his thoughts mm-hmm. and experiences. And I think for me, that's sort of what I'm left with after looking at this painting. And I think specifically in the text, um, when, when Isaac asks Abraham, his father, um, you know, we have the wood, we have the fire, mm-hmm. but what about the sacrifice? Uh, and then Abraham responds, well, the Lord will provide. I, I think for me, I, I would ask the listener to consider what would go through your head when you hear your father say the Lord will provide. Uh, as you're looking around and there's no sacrifice, but there's wood and there's fire. And you're aware that uh, possibly there are sort of these child sacrifices in other cultures. What, what's going through your mind? What sort of psychological experiences are you undergoing <laughs> as you're continuing up the mountain and you're with your father and he says the Lord's going to provide, but maybe you're starting to have doubts about that. Um, I, I, I think I would ask the reader to cons- tr- to try to enter maybe that sort of mental, mm-hmm. mental space. And, and I think 
I think that would op continue to open up the story. So that's all I've got. Uh, you have anything else or? I think that's enough for now. I think that's, <laughs> that's there's right. a lot going on. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Absolutely. There's always a lot going on. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode, episode six of the Believing Art Podcast. We will catch you next time. See you next time. Okay. Dates, episode releases, and other miscellany. We'll see you next time.